What's going on, everybody? We are back for another episode of the ABJ podcast, episode 86. Super excited for this one. Uh, one of the first, well, not the first, because we had HC Locon, who had a run with ECW and, and ROH and had some stuff on, on WWE with, uh, with some extra work. But this is this is when it comes to the WWE side of things. You know, this is our this is a good one for us. I'm excited. Um, my guest here has been a commentator, a ring announcer, has been in the business for quite some time, and is now has taken up the role of trainer, coach, mentor, as well as promoter at uh three legacies professional wrestling. We'll get into that in one minute. I will let them do their introduction. But guys, let's talk about suplex vintage wrestling. It has finally happened. A whole store vet fully dedicated to vintage uh, to professional uh, vintage wrestling. They said it can never be done, but I have seen it with my own eyes. Suplex Vintage Wrestling is a store curated for wrestling fans by wrestling fans. Located in Queens Village, their store features this largest selection of vintage wrestling under one roof. Their selection includes classic designs featuring your favorite wrestlers from the golden age. Attitude Era, Internationals, Indies, and more. And if you're tired of watching premium live events at home, SVW hosts the best watch party since your Kyle, since your friend Kyle's birthday party since you were 12. And shirts, if shirts and watch parties aren't your thing, then let's not forget about their selections of figures, replica belts, trading cards, and from their t-shirts and hats to rare wrestling memorabilia, they have something for every wrestling enthusiast out there. So what are you waiting for? Check them out at suplex.svw on Instagram or at suplex.svw.com and let them satisfy your pro wrestling nostalgia and needs huge thank you to those guys for keeping the podcast afloat being a great sponsor and helping us keep this uh this train moving uh without further ado let me bring in my guest ricardo rodriguez my name is ricardo rodriguez i am happy to be here tonight i love that i saw i know a little bit of spanish so you said yes 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 sorry that's okay that's okay i'm this guy so yeah, man, I'm I'm happy to be here with you. I'm super excited for this. I I've been I've been hitting the Duolingo up, so I'm getting a little better. You know what right. I mean? All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it's very beneficial to be multilingual, uh, especially obviously especially in the U.S., which yes. is very multicultural. Uh, so it definitely helps. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, man, we have a lot to dive in here tonight. Huge thank you once again for doing this. Uh, you know, now you're in our neck of the woods here in Pennsylvania. We're super happy to have you. Been absolutely killing it on the wrestling scene, whether when it's actually getting in the ring and showing people that you can work and you're more than just the ring announcer commentary, but also running a great promotion, which we'll get into in a little bit here. But let's get this first one out of the way. The introduction question, what got you into professional wrestling? Oh man! So I was a, a very late bloomer to when it comes to to American wrestling. Rather, um, I used to watch Lucha Libre when I was a kid, um, growing up in Los Angeles and then living in Mexico. I mean, obviously Lucha Libre is a whole tradition; it's a whole religion down in Mexico. So growing yeah. up on that as a kid, I mean, it was it was that's what I knew. Uh, when we were up back here in the U.S., uh, it, we didn't have a TV much, so we didn't. Uh, we didn't dwell too much on the television side of things. Um, so I kind of grew out of that for a little while. And then I, I started playing soccer uh, at a very young age, at the age of four. And I played soccer from like the age of four till like 12, 14. Um, so I spent a good amount of time doing that. And then so I kind of went away from, from wrestling. And then it wasn't until around high school that I really started kind of getting back into it. And then... Um, so this is maybe like 2002, three, 2002, three, maybe where I started kind of getting back into, uh, wrestling and American wrestling. And then, um, I'm lying. It was 2000 because it was the very first, this is what got me back into American wrestling. Uh, it was WrestleMania and it was the, the TLC match with the Hardy boys, Edge and Christian and the Dudley boys. And, um, it was this particular spot where Jeff Hardy was hanging from the titles and then Edge speared him uh, all the way down to the ring. And then that was a moment where I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I want to mm -hmm. do this. Um, I had already been watching it on and off because I had a friend who uh, back in – his name is Rafael Romo. He, he was the only kid in, the, in our neighborhood who had a pool and a diving board. So we were always going over to his house to go you know, swim in the pool. And he had this thing called a black box, which for the older folks, we may know what a black box is. That's what we used to use to not pay for the pay-per-views. Um, so we always go to his house and watch either whether the boxing or or the the, uh, the wrestling. But at the time, I would only go because he had a pool with the diving board. 
So uh, <laughs> that's actually how he I kind of sucked, but he had an awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, he's, he's a good dude. Uh, thanks, Rafa. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so then from there, I just started getting into it. And then I, I got hooked, especially after that one moment, I got hooked. Um, I started backyard wrestling. I don't know if we don't condone it. But yeah, we started backyard wrestling in, in my backyard with my friend Kevin uh, and a couple of our other friends around high school. And then afterwards, um, we just kind of, I, I looked up just for, for poops and giggles, um, wrestling around the area. And then I found these guys who were also, it was a backyard fed, but they had a ring. They had a, a wrestling ring. Where, so that, where, where in the States are you located growing up and, and, and stuff Los like Angeles. that? Los, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, born and raised in Los Angeles. I, I kept going. I lived there for a little bit. I, I kept going back and forth. Uh, Los Angeles lived in San Diego for a little bit, but all Southern California. Yep. Um, so then, uh, yeah, so we found this, these guys who lived in the same city or the same valley that we did, and they were called BBWA, BWA, something. And um, so they had a boxing ring, and then so they were self-taught. Uh, I think there was only one guy that was somewhat trained, and he would take whatever he learned at class for like a month, and then he would come and, and show us. But we were going, we were trying to mimic whatever we would see at, at the time on Impact or TNA. Um, that was the thing at the time, the X Division uh, at the time. So we would mimic this, these matches. So we were self-teaching ourselves. Um, eventually, it got to a point where uh, I went and I got trained. Um, we used to do these backyard shows. And then a uh, little side note, I was a graphic designer growing out of, or when I got my degree, I, I did a graphic design and animation. Um, so I was doing these flyers that I thought they were pretty badass for backyard shows. Um, cause I would take movie posters and I would mimic them. And then we would go, we would go to PWG and we would flyer at PWG. Uh, so then eventually some of those guys actually ended up coming over to, to our backyard shows. And once they realized it was a backyard, you know, they would leave, but there was a few that ended up staying. And then one of those guys was a promoter named Joe Medina. Who who ran uh, New Tradition Wrestling in in Van Nuys, California, which is my the city that I lived in, and he came to one of our training centers or one of our training nights again training nights quote unquote right the huge asterisk, um, and he's like hey um, how long does it take you guys to come up with the match because he wanted to see us us wrestle and then we didn't know any better so I was like oh it takes about a month to come up with the match uh, so he just laughs he's like can you do one now and then I was like what <laughs> So I got one of my buddies who uh, who I had already wrestled like twice, and then we did a match that we had previously done, and uh, full on, full on with stupid head drops and stuff. So Joe, Joe's like, "All right, that's cool. Hey, do you want to wrestle on Sunday?" And then so yeah, so we did. We, uh, he's like, "I have this, I have this spot open uh, if you want to wrestle." Um, so I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure." So then we went and we kind of did like a little BS lucha match. Um, and then afterwards, he's like, hey, you know, I, I like what you guys are doing, but I think you need training. If you if you want, um, uh, I'll we'll, we'll set something up. We I have a trainer. He can get you going. Da -da 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 -da. Uh, I was like, cool, yeah, yeah. So uh, myself and my a couple of my friends, we ended up going. And then I ended up getting training in Lucha Libre first uh, by my trainer, Latigo Blanco. And I owe him the world because um, for a good solid, like, four or six months, he just beat the living dog crap out of us. <laughs> but, oh, man, I loved it, man. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. He was so strict, and I loved it, though. Um, we got to learn the discipline aspect, the, the you know, how to do things properly. The, the concept of, all right, you did it once. All right, once is luck. Let's do it again and again and again and again. Um, but I was so super happy for that. But it was straight Lucha Libre. So I started learning Lucha Libre, and I started working the Lucha Libre scene. Uh, first, before I switched over to the, once I got the blessing from him that I can go and train elsewhere. So then from there, I switched over. So I started going to other places once I got his blessing. Um, and I started training with these guys named Los Luchas, uh, Phoenix Star and MSS, who I think now they, they teach at Santino Brothers. Um, so they're like the Lucha guys. And um, it was him. I mean, at the time, I think like Scorpio Sky, every now and then would, would do it. Uh, so a lot of those guys, um, once you look at this, the, who, what the scene was around the 2006 time frame, uh, you'll see a lot of those guys are in AW now. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I got to be around the, that area and then that time frame. So eventually I started working the American side. And I started working a lot of amazing folks, the Young Bucks uh, at, at a younger age, TJ Perkins, 
um, Scorpio. Uh, I think Scorpio is so underrated, man. So underrated. He doesn't get nearly as much yeah. as he should. And there was another guy that, I mean, he's retired now, but uh, he was one of my favorites. His name is Scott Lost. Uh, if you ever get a chance to look him up on, on YouTube, man, that guy was so awesome. Um, but that's how eventually I started transitioning over to the American side was, you know, training with those guys. And I was super thankful that they were always willing to help me out. Um, and oftentimes they never asked for anything. They just yeah. wanted, you know, they just wanted me to give me, give, give, give them my everything. Uh, as far as like all, all my energy, everything that I had, like no half-assing. So long as I committed to, to the, the program and then training, they were more than happy to help me out. Yeah. Uh, well, well, real so, quick, uh, for people who are watching this, because I do try to gear this to wrestling fans as well as non-pro wrestling fans. When you say the Lucha Libre and then the American style, what makes the difference between both styles when it comes to in-ring or the training or the behind-the-scenes things stuff? It's. I, I think uh, there was a post not too long ago from Chris Hero where he kind of described it, and I'm trying to remember how he said it. But there's a lot of pageantry when it comes to Lucha Libre. Um, it's a lot more – I feel it's a lot more athletic in the sense of there has to be um, – it, it's a showmanship. It's this whole, like, artist or artistry um, in how you move. Uh, the smoother, the better. Whereas in the American, it can be rugged. Or even in the Japanese strong side, it can be a little bit more rugged, and that's fine. But in the lucha, there, it has to be a lot, a lot more finesse, uh, your footwork. And then it's kind of awesome how – even like smaller or even bigger guys, regardless of size, we can all fly, we can all catch, we can all because we have to learn that that the, the basing um, and how to control your body and then somebody else's. Um, I I have to look up that, and I'm sure somebody is gonna find it once they see this. There's that uh, again. Look up that quote from Chris Hero. Uh, it was super awesome, and how he described the American, the the pageantry of Lucha Libre and then like the drama of American. I think it was, I forgot how he says the Japanese side, but it's yeah. really cool. To quote. Um, I, I, I think where the American audience really started to be like, what is this Lucha Libre? And, 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 Oh my God, this is something so vastly different. I give a lot of credit to the Monday night wars, WCW cruiserweight division, that cruiserweight yeah, division, even, put even that on the map. That, ECW, even before that ECW. Uh, yeah. ECW was doing it. Yeah. Yeah, they were doing a lot, a lot, you know, way before that. But that's yeah. what that's what caught me because when I realized that the whole idea of these guys with the masks, with like the colors, and also that that stems back from, um, you know, back in the day, Los Aztecas, uh, all the tribes had their colors, uh, all the tribes had their their like their headgear. So that's that's their that's their their shield, that's their their symbolism of them. Um, so that's also where like the mask comes from. That's why a lot of them are different because um, that's their personality. That's their them. That's their entity. Um, but um, but yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah. So like e uh, ECW was was great because they they introduced that and, and I mean they were a little bit on the more down low than obviously the mainstay of WCW and then eventually WWE. Um, but they all tried. But that's that's what got me hooked because that's what I loved growing up and then that's when I realized like. These guys to me are like real life superheroes and they're doing it in front of me. And then they're, you have your good and your bad. You have your villains and, and you're, you're good guys. Um, but that's what, the, what I loved about Lucha Libre was the colors, the mask, the capes, the flying, um, all of that. And I loved it. Um, the personalities, the different characters. And that's what introduced me to Lucha Libre or slash wrestling. And then eventually I transitioned over to the American side uh, yeah. of the drama. Yeah, the drama, the hard hitting, the, the I don't want to say the storytelling because the, the art of pro wrestling, their storytelling's there regardless of the culture and regardless of of that. I, and I, uh, but growing up, who were some of your favorites that you know when you you said the Edge and Christian moment were huge for you? But who were some of your 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 idols or heroes watching growing up? So growing again, I go back to it was Lucha Libre, right? So I would mm -hmm. go to uh, Octagon, Mascara Sagrada. Um, at the time, there was uh, Atlantis, Ultimo Dragon. Uh, there are so many of those guys that, uh, um, yeah, yeah, there were so many of those guys that, that were, that were influential to me. Um, and then growing up eventually too, like getting to meet them and then eventually getting to work some of them, getting to wrestle them. That was awesome. And then once I started getting older, Remisterio, Secosis, La Parca, 
um, Juventud, right? Because those are the guys that I saw on TV. Juve was awesome. Oh, yeah. And I just, I mean, and then I just saw him not too long ago, and he can still go. Yeah. He's still going, he's still move. And then Ray, obviously, Ray's Ray. There's never, never going to be another Ray Mysterio. Yeah. I got to I got to work and wrestle with his uncle, the original Ray Mysterio, uh, in my younger years. So I got to work with him at Santo. Uh, I got to work with Mystico before he was, uh, well, before back when he was Mystico, before he was in Cara. Uh, I got to, you know, do stuff with him. Um, I got to take those lashings from La Parca, from his belt in the past. Um which, if you ever get a chance to look them up, uh, La Parca is not very forgiving when he gives you those, those <laughs> belt shots. Uh, but but it was it was an experience, and I loved it, and I loved every single little bit of it. Yeah, um, I love that, my favorite part of that part. is when people transfer transfer the name or the like. Not so I don't want to say the character, but the name or the pageantry of a character. When one person steps away from it, the next person fills the shoes. I love that, and I I feel like only really happens in the Lucha Libre scene where where you have those people like uh, uh, Blue Demon, and then he just kind of like that, that's been passed on from multiple people or stuff like that. I think that's so cool, and they they start doing that in Japan too with like the tiger masks and stuff like that where yeah, multiple tiger people donned it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, a lot of it has to do with the, the rights of them too. Uh, yeah. The passed it on to the original remissario passed it on to his nephew, um, which is the one now. And then yep. now, I know there's like a whole bunch of other ones, hijo remisterio and then the principe de hijo de remisterio, whatever. There's a whole lineup of them. And even La Parca, um, there was the original one, which Adolfo, and then there was like LA Park, who later became LA Park. Uh, and then there's La Parca that's still in AAA, but I think that's the second one because I think the other one passed away, unfortunately, like yeah. a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a couple of them. Ultimo, Ultimo Dragon is probably a so bucket list for me. Oh, oh yeah. so... I got to wrestle him uh, back in November. And I love uh, the photo everyone refers to Ultimo Dragon yeah, where he has this yeah, like yeah. 90 belts on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, it was such a dream come true. I mean, that that night though had a lot of controversy though, because uh, there was a lot of issues with the promoter. Uh, I've seen that, yeah. And uh, and we debated, we debated, because I mean, it wasn't just it was myself, it was Alberto, and then Josh Alexander, um, and then it was Ultimo Dragon, uh, Mara Fuji, uh, and I feel so terrible. I forgot the, the third person's name. I'm sorry. But there was, there was, yeah, we all got, we all got there, and then the the promoter just kind of just disappeared. Um, so there was a lot of issues. But then after talking to Ultimo, um, and then a medium uh, somewhere in there, we decided to not, you know, to give the fans something. So we just did something in front of the audience, and then gave them the match. Um, yeah, I will say so- this: from I wasn't at the show, but from hearing from people, you know, fans, and you know, I will say smartened up people. Uh, who were maybe the boys that were kind of hanging out because they wanted to see the like you guys as performers because that's a big card and that's big names yeah. that people want to see. Um, there's there's matches where people say, "Eh, we're gonna go in there. And we're gonna we're gonna phone it in. We're gonna do we're gonna yeah, do yeah. the basics." That from everything I heard, all of even Ultimate Dragon, who's yeah, been doing it as long as he's been doing it, and Josh Alexander and all the guys put on bangers. They said it was a good yeah, match. Yeah, like it was. Yeah. And doing it for peanuts at that point in time. You're doing it just for the love and for the fans. I think, honestly, once we got in there, we were like, and then we started feeling it. We're like, oh, we're just going. We're going. Um, But it was definitely an experience because, I mean, mean, two of the people that I I grew up watching, I mean, Ultimo Dragon from from my childhood, and then obviously Mara Fuji, which once I started wrestling, I started watching his matches, him, Kenta, uh, Ishimori, uh, Ricky Marvin, right, during that time frame of Noah. Um, dude, like that's that's that was amazing because how influential was Marfuji, right? We all do that mirror spot, and that's a Marfuji spot. We all do, you know, the slide spread, uh, Marfuji. Um, we all do like the the fucking uh, excuse me, the Roman Reigns. You're good, drive-by. cursing's fine. <laughs> all right, we we do the, the the Roman Reigns drive-by. Uh, I used to do that to Roman Reigns when he was Laiaki in FCW, and then but I got him. <laughs> yeah. Um. So how influential was Marufuji? So to to be in the ring with him and share with him, and then have a short conversation with him afterwards, and then understand obviously what was going on at the time with the promoter, um, and then we all kind of came together, and then we we're like, yeah, you know, we we're, we're here, um, but we, we yeah we don't want to screw over the fans because it's not their fault. Um, so yeah. beautiful, it's a beautiful like because because I think the fans would even understand like what uh, what you guys put your bodies through and what what at any moment that could be 
you know, you go in there, it could be it. You can get seriously injured. You can die. Like people have yeah. died in this industry and, and to go in there and be like, Hey, listen, we're people who have all hit major stages has have been in front of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people and millions of watching at home. And we're going to go in there and do this for free, but we're doing it because the love of the people in that audience and that arena, let's just be honest. Like it's a, it's a small indie promotion. There's maybe a hundred, 200 people, but yeah. it doesn't matter if it's 10,000 or if it's 200 people love this industry and, 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 and their story going forward can make or break a fan. Absolutely. In, in, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, yeah. And then I, I think when I would think back of when I was a fan, uh, cause I didn't know about anything independence. All I knew was WWE. And then yeah. when I got out of high school, um, I started posting pictures of my, my backyard stuff. And I had one of my teachers on there and, uh, he's like, Hey, uh, there's this company out here. I think you'll like, and then he introduced me to PWG. And then one of the first uh, one of the first matches that I saw was actually CM Punk against Super Dragon. Yeah. Uh, and then I think also on that card was like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. I think P- PWG was like the ROH of the West Coast. Like- oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and I didn't know any better, so that's that's all I knew. i known. And then, um, yeah, I was just losing my mind watching everything that they were doing. Chris Bosh was another one. Scott Lost, uh, uh, even Ronan. Um, there were so many amazing, amazing folks in that. Uh, Hook Tall War. Uh, yeah, a Human Tornado was another one, too, that just impressed the hell out of me. I love what PWG does, but I also, from a fan standpoint who don't live there, hate it where everything is taped still. Like, like yeah. no streaming yeah. service, no, no. They're like, nope, if you want to watch it, go buy the tape, which yeah. is cool. But in today's day and age where you pay like 10 bucks a month and get everything, yeah. you're just like, come on. <laughs> it's America. I want it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100. Um, so, after you did your training and you're going through everything, yeah. how does the transition happen where you make it to the WWE or that, that phone call happens or you're, you're in that environment? And, and what is that experience like of being in a locker room with these just legendary people? So I, at the time, I wasn't following WWE too much because of my work schedule. I, again, I was a graphic designer, so we were I, I worked on salary. So we had a lot of uh, projects. And then there was a lot of times where I wouldn't even really go home. Uh, I was just stay there, go to go sleep in my car for like an hour or two and then wake up and go back to work because that was a workload. Um, and then, uh, anyways, but, um, so I did a match at this company called Empire Wrestling Federation, EWF, and then uh, the promoter, Jesse Hernandez, um, he comes up to me after the match and he goes, hey, WWE's coming to town in about a month or two, or I think it was like two months. Um, would you be interested in doing a tryout? And I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to send you some information. They're looking for Lucha guys, uh, Latinos, da, da, da. I was like, cool. Um, so then I started slowly kind of watching the, the products. So I can kind of stay up to date sort of, uh, but I was terrible at it. And then I did the tryout. It was at the Staples Center. It was in August. It was the day after SummerSlam, uh, August 2010. I did the the tryout. We got there early. It was a whole bunch of us. Um we we did like man in the middle drills. We did little like tournament style matches. Uh, where they any picked, like, any notable names trying out with you that day? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Uh, uh, let me see. I, I want to say Scorpio was there. Um, Rusev was in it. Alex Kozlov was in it. Um, uh, Joy Ryan was in it. Uh, I, I I'm trying to remember who else was in it. There was a couple more, but it were more like local local guys that were sort of known. And yeah. uh, so, like I said, they did a little trial where they would do like a tournament style matches and they would pick whoever they liked from each one and they just keep putting them up in the tournament. And at the end, it was myself and this one guy uh, named, he went by the name of Mercurio Jr. Uh, so we did the match, he goes over, da da da, we finished, and then they pulled me aside afterwards. And the guy at the time was named Ty Bailey. So Ty Bailey pulls me aside and he asked me a couple of questions. He was like, Hey, um, are you under contract any, any, anywhere? And I was like, No. He's like, uh, are you married? Uh, do you have kids? I was like, no, not that I know of. And uh, so uh, he's like, if given the opportunity, would you be willing to transfer to Florida? I was like, yeah, I mean, uh, but I, and I always mention this, uh, I've been in wrestling long enough where I was promised the world and then nothing happens. So, you know, yeah. Um, so uh, you don't, so you don't like, see it until you don't believe until you see it. Type yeah, deal. yeah. So, so, he, uh, so then he goes like, all right, cool. We'll stay in touch. I was like, awesome. Uh, so I go to catering and um, uh, I go in, I stuff my face with food 
and um, we stayed for for that for Raw. That was Raw, so we were only scheduled for Raw. And then they went up to Jesse Hernandez, and then uh, uh, the lady, her name was Nicole. Nicole goes up to Jesse. He's like, "Hey, um, we're looking for this re-announcer guy for for this thing that we're doing tomorrow. Uh, do you have anybody?" And then Jesse just points at me, or he had pointed to somebody else first. He pointed to uh, Mercurio, and for whatever reason, Mercurio said he couldn't make it the next day, right? For SmackDown, he could for whatever reason. So then uh, they come up to me and they ask me, they say, hey, have you ever done reannounce before? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, I've done reannounce before, which I never have. And then they asked me, do you have a tuxedo? I was like, sure, which I didn't. I went to the Salvation Army or the, the yeah, the, the the Goodwill, and I got a cheap suit from the Goodwill. And then I went to Bakersfield, California the next morning, and I did SmackDown. I did the, tri- uh, the whole spiel. Um, and then they were doing a double taping of SmackDown on that Tuesday and then Wednesday. So they asked me again the next day. So and I went. And then on that night afterwards, they pulled me, Rusev, and Alex Kozlov into the office. Uh, and then they offered his contracts. That's so crazy. Yeah. So, like, that was your first ever time doing ring announcing or anything like that? Yeah, just like that. Just, just the like grandest that. stage. You're just like, hey, you're doing it on. That's crazy. Yeah. Was, they just threw me into it. They just threw me in. And then the whole irony of this whole thing was when I was wrestling, I was a big fan of Super Dragon, Loki, Muda. So I didn't talk. I maybe had maybe cut one promo ever. Uh, wow. I was, I was mimicking. I wanted to be like Muda, Super Dragon, Loki, which ultimately, if you really com- compare them, it's the same person. Yeah. Um, the same style. So that's what I wanted to be. So I never cut promos. And then the irony was I got put in a position to talk. Um, and I got hired to talk, and uh, just fake it till cool. you make it, man. Right place, right oh, time. Yeah, fake yeah, it till you make it. Too. I love that. Oh man! Also, too, I had to, I had to put up with my own BS, and then I had to, you know, yeah, show them that I was able to do it. And I got thankful that that I did. And I did not know who Alberto was at the time. I he looked familiar, but I didn't know who he was. So I hit up my friend who was like a super wrestling nerd, and then I was like, "Hey, who's this guy?" And he's like, that's Toscadas Jr. I was like, no way. So then it all clicked in my head. And then I just kind of put all the pieces together of why he looked the way he did. And then I was like, I know I, I, I know him from somewhere. Um, so I was yeah, like, yeah, I always awesome. assimilated him. He was like, we, we, we talk about all the time where it's like he was like the like the John Cena of the of the Mexican the Lucha, Do- Lucha Libre scene. Like he was that rising guy. Yeah, at the time it was him. Mystico, Averno, Ultimo Guerrero. Yeah, there was a couple guys in uh in Roosh wasn't there yet. Roosh was on his way up at the time, but not mm-hmm. quite. Um yeah, but at the time it was him, Roosh, Wagner. Um I think Wagner was in CMLL. Either way, but point is, yeah, yeah. So like uh, I was like, that's awesome. And then obviously I knew who his uncle was and his dad was in Mascaras and Dos, Dos Caras. So I knew who they were. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of cool. And then, um, yeah, so then they pulled me to the office. They asked me a couple questions. They they do, they do this whole, like, all right, we're going to send you to to get your physicals and everything. So your background check, da, da, da. And then um, we'll let you know, do you want to go to TV next month in Boston? I was like, yeah, sure. So then uh, that was my, that was my yeah, first time in Boston. I went to Boston. I did Raw. Um, and then I, I, then I started on the road. I was on the road ever since. So were you just doing the ring announcing and then like commentary here and there? No, I was just doing re-announcing for a good solid while. So I did comment, uh, the re-announcing for a little bit. Um, and then as time went on, they started adding me to the live events. And then once I got my, my, the clearance from the physical and my background and all that stuff, they sent me to Florida to do developmental on FCW. But I started backwards. I started on the road first and then got sent to FCW. But by the time I was in FCW, I was already on the road, so I was never at training for FCW. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I had a nice little deal uh, with the developmental contract and then on the road contract, uh, yeah. for a good, uh, which was nice until Uncle Sam came around. <laughs> um, like, we'll take half that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I started, I started backwards, and then, um, and I was really only at FCW for like two days, uh, Wednesdays, which was the days we would land from SmackDown. And then we, I was there for Thursday, and I, and I would fly back out on Friday. So I was only home two days. Um, how how is that travel? Like just always been on the road, and like, is it is it tough? Like is like, or do you enjoy like just seeing everything all the time or seeing all the different cities? 
as weird as it is, I honestly do feel because I got thrown into it. I wasn't like prepped for it. I just got thrown into it. It was overwhelming at first because there was a lot of going on. Um, and I honestly do feel that the reason why they would call us WWE superstars is not because of what we do in the ring, because that's easy. It's the travel. They're constantly yeah. going, especially if you have a family, if you have kids, you're, you're never mm -hmm. home. Um, there were so many times where we were, especially when we, when Alberto and I first started, uh, we got sent right to the top from the get-go. So we were on everything. So there was a couple of times I wasn't home for like a whole month. Um, and uh, at the time, I mean, my girlfriend, I mean, I was thankful that she was putting up with my BS of never being home. But um, yeah, I was, I was never home for, for a good while. And if I was, I was only home for a day or two and I was back on the road. So, and then I, like I said, I don't have kids. Um, so I can only imagine for those that, that do. Um, so that, that I feel honestly is what, what makes us, what made us superstars it wasn't the in-ring stuff because that's easy uh it's the travel and then obviously i mean putting up the 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 face the happy face when mm -hmm. you're bombarded at five in the morning by people wanting to get your autograph to sell them on ebay yeah um, oh i hate when people wait outside the airport I, I i don't know i can't i'm not i'm not a fan of that yeah but no but that's a whole other thing but um yeah yeah but but that's, that's... That's, that's, <laughs> the travel the travel can be overwhelming it definitely can especially when i just traveled for the first time by myself alone out of the country and it is stressful it's terrifying yeah, I, I, yeah. I went to england it was i i never experienced like i literally like the craziest experiment i had was london to germany and then germany back to pennsylvania and my my flight was delayed leaving london to go to germany and when yeah. we landed in Germany, they're not like waiting for the other plane to get here. No, I had no. to sprint across yeah. the airport home alone style. Like I literally yeah. got to the gate just in time. And I'm like, can I just put deodorant on? I don't want to sit for nine hours. Gross but, next to something. But you know what, though? Honestly, though, I, I miss it. I miss that lifestyle. And I've been thankful that in the last couple of months or last year, I've been slowly getting back into that of the constant going on the go. Cause I do miss it. I do miss being at the airports. I miss going to different places. I miss, uh, in a sense, living off of a suitcase. Um, yeah. cause I got so accustomed to that. I did that for five years and then I got to do that on and off for a little bit afterwards, but I, I miss that. I miss being on the go. I, I, that's how I function. I function by being constantly on the moving, constantly on the go. That's how I go. That's how it motivates me. I can't be still. I have to keep moving. Yeah. Um, and ultimately that leads into all of this that's happening here. Yeah. So it's constant go, 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 go. Uh, otherwise, the water gets stale and then it gets, you know, dirty. Yeah. And, uh, for me with the ADHD, it, it's it's nice to keep moving. When I, the, the two years I traveled just doing commentary between Jersey, New York, and PA, just eating gas station food and always in the front seat of your car, it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. But it was honestly, it was the most fun I had in two years. Um, just meeting new people and going from place to place. But, uh, when you when you get that opportunity and you're the ring announcer and, and you're bouncing back and forth now obviously your 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 mindset is like I, I want to be a wrestler I want to perform I want to go do things was it hard to take that back seat and I mean obviously the checks are fun you're getting WWE money and stuff like sure. that but like mentally is it like well this is I kind of I wish I was in there mixing it up was it hard to take that back seat a little bit you know how hard it is to calm down your ego because ultimately, that's what it comes down to. It's our ego. Yeah, absolutely. Not understanding, not knowing our role, not understanding what, why we're there. And then constantly telling ourselves, like, I am better than this. And sure, you probably are, but that's not what you're there for, right? You're there to play a certain role. And obviously, if you ever wanted to, you can. And people have in the past where you can take your ball and go home and go elsewhere. And that's totally fine. Um, but you also have to be able to back it up. And then you have to make a, a wise choice when when that happens uh some people can do it other people can't um but at first honestly it was it was hard it was hard because i was watching everybody else wrestle and then i couldn't wrestle i wasn't allowed to wrestle uh well at least i thought i wasn't allowed to wrestle um so little by little i started getting in the ring before raw and smackdown and i was always the first one in the ring um and then but i hope someone's, someone's watching yeah oh yeah well the monitor <laughs> yeah, there's always a tv on the hard cam is always on so this is in the back watching uh, if he's in the office, he's that, that the TV's on, and I know that because I've been in his office, and that TV's on, and it's watching the ring. Um, so, but uh, but even then, like it was just more so me just getting the ring, just doing a couple of rolls, getting a couple of bombs, running the ropes, 
just for me, for me, just to get in there. And then oftentimes if there was an extra that I knew who he was, I would tell him, hey, get in the ring. Let's roll around. That way they can see you, you know, and they can see me too. And then I can just get this itch out. Um, and then as time went on, they started knowing and they started realizing that, hey, I, I know a thing or two. And that's when those spots started coming in where they started letting me get more involved. And then because they knew my timing was better, mm-hmm. um, was decent. And then my, my selling, my whatever. But the whole thing was always like, you're not a wrestler, so don't necessarily sell like a wrestler, but also don't fight like a wrestler. So finding that happy medium was interesting. But I was, su- I was super happy. Afterwards, once I accepted what my role was, dude, I had such a blast. Yeah. Uh, but it was overwhelming at first because I had to calm down my ego. Uh, and that's a tough one. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Like, that's that was the biggest thing, just meeting you. And actually, like, the first time, like, around the time when you were in WWE, I wasn't watching at the time. That's when I was, like, on my hiatus because it was, like, wrestling wasn't cool anymore type deal. So I'm, like, slowly catching back up to that era. But like seeing you and I knew exactly like I knew of wrestling, I knew what was going on, but I just didn't watch week to week. Um, and then seeing you perform, I was like, yo, this guy's good. Like he's like very talented. Like that was a ring announcer. Like, and then I like, just kind of learning the business and being part of it. And sometimes you just don't get put in a situation you think you should be in. And like I said, that e- you have to kill your ego to kind of do what needs to be done. And and I'm glad you kind of answered that way because I want to transition now to now you're starting your own wrestling promotion. How did, how did that come about? How did you land Lancaster and why start three legacies wrestling at this point in time so, of your life? So in, in WWE, I was sort of unofficially, uh, I was used as to help out others a lot. So as, because they, at, at some point they trusted me to work with people. So when guys would come up from NXT or FCW, they would put them in the ring with me just before the show, just move them around. Uh, and then I started working with Will and Regal uh, directly uh, next to him. So, so if like Regal was the one in charge of the extra, so Regal will, and then a lot of guys, if they watch this, um, can vouch for it. That Regal was a guy they would go to because Regal would give him the speech on Monday, and then half the time they'll probably get in on, in the ring on Tuesdays. And then, um, and I was usually there with Regal, and I would it was always a, a similar speech, so I kind of learned that speech uh, of what they were looking for, what they needed, da 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 at the time um and uh yeah so then if there was somebody who was either an odd man out uh regal would be like hey get in the ring with them or if there was somebody in particular that regal liked he would tell me hey get in the ring with them just move them around because uh, the, the whole thing was do they listen uh, so that's where i started learning how to call stuff on the fly because um, yeah that's what we would do i was like all right because i got to wrestle with some folks who were like relatively top indie guys and I would call stuff to them, and then they would hesitate because they weren't used to just calling in a ring. They had to plan out everything, um, and uh, and yeah. So so that was that was a even for me it was a, a big eye awakening uh, thing because I didn't realize that I I in my head I feared everybody knew how to call in the ring. I didn't know any better. Um, so yeah, so I got to learn that that whole aspect of how to just slow down, slow the fuck down, and just yeah relax. But, um, but yeah, so I got put into that position. Also, I was helping out with the girls. The girls were like come up to me, approach me quite a bit, and then they wanted to try something, um, especially because they knew that I came from Lucha-esque background. So they wanted to try stuff out, so I would get in there. I would move around. I used to love working with uh, uh, Naomi um, Trinity. Um, She's killing it now. Killing it. Uh, yeah, and then I used, to, I used to get in the ring with her, and then she would always come in and smile and say, hey, friend, teach me something. So then I started showing her like Manami Toyota and like the girls from Yoshi, uh, the Yoshi girls from like uh, um, like back in like the mid late nineties or early two thousands, and I was like, watch that stuff, whatever you like, record it on your phone and then bring it next week and we'll do it. Because then she would try and explain to me and I wouldn't understand what she was trying to get to. I was like, just record it on your phone and then come and bring it uh, next week. So we would, she would do that. So like that little split legged thing that she does where she like jumps over the the rope, like that's something that we we did. Um, That's there's so a cool. lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like her, uh, uh, Alicia Fox was another one I used to love working with. Um, I'm excited that she's back on the indie scene doing stuff. Like I hope she makes her way around. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of her. Oh yeah, and she's awesome too. And then um, um, Natalia was another one I used to love rolling around with her. Uh, so we would just go and we just grapple and just move around. And How is it to roll around with a heart dungeon girl? Oh, she's awesome. She is super <laughs> awesome. Uh, and she would get competitive though. She would really get competitive. I love it though. <laughs> 
it was legit one time and then i brought it up to her uh so not not too long ago i brought it up to her um how like we were rolling around and we were just going we were going we we're like pinning pinning pin 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 and then we separate and then we stare at each other and then she just slaps the fuck out of me uh she and has that hard eyes like you could no, tell yeah, she's yeah, not yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, she just me, and then she takes a second and I guess she realized what she did, and she's just like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, and she hugged me. I was like, what the, What just happened? <laughs> who, who are some people you got to work with early that you were like, they're going to be something? Because you, you got to those early stages of them of, or maybe like watching them develop or where they have struggled top indie guys, and then they became what we see now on TV. Is there anyone that you got to maybe see before the rest of the world got to see their greatness? Roman, Roman, Roman. Um... I was one of those guys, there was a few of us that were, I don't want to say assigned, but we were assigned to Roman when he was first coming up, when he was first really starting to get going in uh, in FCW. His name was Leaki at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a couple of those matches on YouTube of, of Ricardo and then uh, Leaki. Um, so our job was to move him around, was to guide him, uh, to kind of work with him. So I got to do that quite a bit. Uh, there was a couple of others, uh, other guys that got to do that too. Um, uh, I mean, I got to work with a lot of awesome. Xavier Woods was another one I got to work with a lot. He was one of my favorites. Um, early on, early on, I mean, uh, we used to, I used to get in with Titus O'Neil quite a bit. Dango, uh, we used to get in with him a lot. That was a lot of fun. The Usos, um, yeah, I used to get in with them a lot. Uh, like I said, Alicia, uh, Naomi, the Trinity. Natalia so yeah so there was a lot of them that's awesome um well listen that's that's that is the greatest plug and endorsement of why people should be not only look at three legacies but your wrestling school now uh you got to mix up with those people you've been to the dance you've shoulder to shoulder with William Regal and helping develop talent that becomes the Roman Reigns the Naomi's the Trinities the Natalia's of the world um how did you start this school and this start this wrestling promotion and how'd you land in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? So I've been very open about like my, my addiction problems. I've been very open. Um, mm-hmm. I had heavy alcohol and then drug addiction for years. Um, and then I ended up here because I ended up going to a rehab center here, uh, blueprints for addiction recovery. And I had a great, I, I learned a lot. Um, when I got out, I realized I kind of needed to slow down because I was living very fast. I was constantly on the go, uh, but I didn't know how to manage it. Uh, I was constantly getting my head, but I didn't know how to deal with it. So I had to learn how to, how to handle that, how to handle my thoughts, how to handle everything that was going on in between these two years. Um, it was getting overwhelming, but I didn't know how to slow it down. And I realized too that anytime I would get upset or depressed or mad, I would always run to the bottle. And that was my escape. Um, and I learned that that's not how we should manage things because that's one thing that is going to overtake you and it's going to overpower you and you're not going to get anything good out of it. Um, and yeah, so when I got out, I was talking to my business partner, uh, Christopher Dreisbach, and um, I had the privilege of running and operating many schools around, literally around the world. Uh, in, in in Mexico, in, in Texas, in Florida, in Los Angeles, in England, in Germany, and, oh, I mean, not Germany, I didn't run it. Um, in in India, I got to spend a whole year in Cairo, Egypt. Um, and I got to run these schools, but none of them were ever mine. So then when I saw, when I was uh, showing my story to, to Christopher, he's like, well, why don't you just open your own thing? And then it just kind of came from there. So I was like, all right, yeah, all right. So I need to slow down, first of all. Uh, I need to establish a base, a home base, which I was constantly on the go. Ever since I left WWE, I was constantly on the go between all the different schools, all the different countries that I was li- living in, not just visiting, but living. I was constantly on the go, and I, I never established a home base anywhere. I was always moving, 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 and I never had anything for myself, um, which at the, if you look at it from perspective of I get to travel a lot, awesome. All right, but eventually this thing's gonna have to stop one day, and where am I gonna go? I have nothing. I have I haven't built anything anywhere for myself. So um, so yeah, so I ended up here. Uh, this is a year and a half ago. Uh, I've been I've been in the program for a year and a half now of, of sobriety, and then I do a lot of community events. Congratulations, for- by the way. Thank you. 
um i get to do a lot of that and then with between myself and then through legacies wrestling we we get a lot to do a lot with that community as far as like the the city of, of lancaster the community of uh, recovery and sobriety um and we get to offer and give back uh to the community which ultimately that's what all this is about uh it's not just me giving back uh into wrestling but it's also giving back to the community uh the community that gave me so much so it's my way of saying thank you to the community yeah, well. and then also to the well, I'm, I'm very appreciative you found it um just from a wrestling scene and I, i've worked with a lot of promotions and 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 seen what promotions can do and talent coming in and talent coming out and talking to the boys I've, I've been very fortunate enough to make friends with a lot of people in the business um people talk obviously you know what promotions you're like oh you can go to and you maybe not go to and stuff like that I've never heard a bad thing about Three Legacies. Everything about what you're doing there, that I've never had a talent come back and say anything negative at all. Um, and that's that's coming from talent. That's coming from production. That's coming from because uh, most of the people you have there, I'm very good friends with, and everyone has nothing but positive things to say. And I mean, every show, man, photos of shows, you guys are packing it out. You're putting good shows together. You're, the people are, are responding to it. Uh, the talent that you're working with is good talent. It's just I'm excited for it. And now you have the school, and you're you're just bringing that next generation up. It's really it's really yeah. exciting. It's been a blessing. It, it's not easy by any means. Don't get me wrong. This <laughs> is not easy yeah. at all. Anybody that's ever owned a business, especially when the first year, even two years, man, it's a it's a constant hustle, uh, it's, and it doesn't end ever. Uh, it's I think a lot of people get a little success and they get complacent, and that's a very dangerous area to be in. Not just mm -hmm. in business. Your personal growth because you don't want to be complacent the moment you realize all right i'm good then yeah you you you've lost so complacency is yeah. never a good thing so same thing with this there has to be some sort of ambition there has to be some sort of drive that has to push you forward not just you but also whatever your your brand is and you're supporting so i'm my brand is three legacies my brand is me myself um and then now including my my students my product the the, the wrestlers that are in underneath me in you know working with me um we are all uh, a team together and we all have to push forward and this is never an individual project ever the, uh, i've i've heard in the past too that every sometimes owners or promoters um it's about them and it's not it's about the product uh it's about the the boys uh, the girls the production it's a whole team that moves forward uh because you're only going to be as slow as uh, as fast as your slowest member but if you can drag every and take everybody with you, uh, I think everybody will succeed. Um, and you're you're good. absolutely nailing that. Just from an, an I, I never stepped in front of your doors. I've never been in your school. I've never been to one of your shows. But what you just described is it pretty much nails exactly. You're accomplishing that from everyone I talk to. You are 100% accomplishing that. Everyone feels like they're part of the team. Everyone feels like they're just as valuable as anybody else. And that's not an easy thing to do from a wrestling company standpoint. And, and I, I understand. I mean, I understand not everybody's going to be happy with certain things. I get it. I get it. Because you never, you're never going to make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, but it does come from a good place in the heart. And then obviously we want to push forward and progress and then take everybody with me. I want to take everybody with me on this journey. Um, do I know exactly where I'm going? <laughs> nope. But I have an idea. Um, I have an idea of where I want to go and where I want to take this. And I want to take as many people with me as possible. I've had the privilege of, as we mentioned prior, I've been, I've been to the top, thankfully. And I've been to WrestleMania's, Mania's Pearl. I know that feeling. I know what it's like to be on those those trucks. I know what it's like to be, you know, uh, you know, uh, in WWE pay per views. I know, I know that feeling, uh, and I wish that upon everybody because it's such an amazing feeling. But if I can help other people accomplish that and guide them through the process, because they're gonna learn a lot of lessons, and I don't want them to learn them alone. I, I I've been through a lot, and I made a lot of mistakes because my ego got to me, because my head got to me. And I didn't know how to manage it. And I didn't have anybody, or at least I didn't think I had anybody there to help me. And I yeah. wish I had some sort of mentor. I, had, I wish I had somebody in my ear to tell me, hey, you're fucking up. Uh, don't do that. Um, yeah. And I'm able to give that to other people now. So yeah. if I can the, the show aspect is the easy part, man, is, is the small things in the business that people aren't aware of is the things that break you down. It's a hustle. It's a hustle. Like, it's this is, I, 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 I tell all these guys a lot, too, when they come in here. Um, you're not only going to grow as a performer, but you're also going to grow as a, as a person. Um, so true. I, 
because we're going to develop a lot of mental strength because ultimately this does eat you up. It does eat at your mental health. It's not easy at all. There's so many times where I wanted to quit and then I was so depressed and I wanted to quit. Um, and I know these guys sometimes when their bodies are hurt, when something doesn't go their way and I can see their frustrations when, when they're trying to do something, it doesn't come out right. It happened tonight, right? One of the guys, he just wasn't getting something correctly. And then I could see that frustration. I was like, hey, slow it down. It's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll walk through the steps. We'll get it. We'll get it. Just don't give up on yourself. Whatever it is that is going on in your head, throw it away. Um, we'll, we'll get we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get, we'll get it done. Um, and it's just a matter of repetitions and cleaning whatever it is that you just did and fix it. And we'll be fine. But don't yeah. eat at yourself. You can be critical on yourself, sure. But don't let it get to you. What a, where do the name Three Legacies come from? What does it represent? So a lot of it comes from, uh, it's a whole mixture of, of different things. And it's a, the irony of how life happens. Because um, also, I'm, I'm not living life on my terms. I'm living my life on life's terms. Um, it, it, well, my, indie, my indie name was Chimera. A Chimera is a three-beast animal of Greek mythology. So it's a serpent, a goat, and a lion. Um, also, I want to incorporate the whole idea of body, mind, and spirit. Uh, I want to incorporate the idea of basically uh, Asia, North America, Europe. Um, and then just so happens it's from also from uh, recovery, from sobriety. Um, so it's, and that's all that, that, that logo, that logo on, on three legacies, that's a hand symbol that I used to do on the Indies before WWE. So I love that. I love that yep. so much. I do have some questions here from the from our from our Discord. Uh, Hunter, uh, our, our backstage producer as well, says, "What is the funniest moment or story you can recall from your time in WWE?" Oh man, there's a lot of them I can't share. I don't want <laughs> to get in trouble, but there's a lot of them uh, that when we're in person, I'll tell you. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the, my favorite two people I got to hear backstage wb stories and i'm not going to tell them i'll just tell you the two people who are talking and i'm sure you can fill in the blanks was lindsay dorado and okay. and brian kendrick their stories of oh. talking about their uh, hilarious oh, yeah they're, they're, <laughs> the two so funniest people i've ever met in this business i think yeah there's so much stuff that we did that like yeah i, I, I can't put it out there eventually right, no, once no. i'm older and i write that book and i don't and then they're not on tv anymore oh uh, yeah well listen uh, I know a podcast so you could tell if anytime you want to open up, I'm always here for you. <laughs> um, if you can go back and wrestle any current WWE superstar, uh, who would it be? And that's from our, our boy DM from the discord. Any current WWE superstar. Oh, Chad Gable right now. I, I, I love Ooh. everything that Chad Gable's doing. Yeah. I don't think I could, ha I'll be honest. I don't think I could hang, uh, but uh, Chad, um, for the sake of, Naomi. Yeah? No, no, uh, Natalia. Yeah. Natalia, I would wrestle, yeah, I would definitely wrestle Natalia. Uh, who, I, I, I want to add to that real quick. Who is someone that you wrestled that, you know, there's there's being TV good wrestling or when the, the machine's behind somebody and making them who they are, and then the people like, for a while, Chad's always been fantastic, but they never really yeah. gave him the light to showcase that. Who is someone that you wrestled or worked with behind those scenes that you're just like, this person is a mega star, but maybe they're not being used properly? Woods. Xavier, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was my favorite to wrestle in um... – in an FCW because there was a few times that we wrestled and then I knew at the time again I got a lot I got away with a lot of stuff early on because we were like we were main event from the get-go right so when I was down in FCW uh, I got to wrestle Woods I think like two or three times and then I told him I was like dude I just want to end this thing up because I just want to make sure I can still go and then he's like ah well we I was like dude I'll take the heat don't worry I'll, I'll take the blame <laughs> so sure enough sure enough like we did it once in Orlando at an armory and uh, we get to the back and normally smile, he just goes, what was that? I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, and I was just apologizing. I love Norman. Um, I did this little sidewalk into a cutter. Uh, and then he's like, that's you did RK. I was like, well, again, I was again, me, my ego. It's like, and I was, I, I knew we were going to get in trouble. I knew we were going to get, uh, you know, shame on you. I, I knew that was going to happen at the end. But I was like, it's okay. I'll, I'll take the heat for it. Cause at the time they were not going to tell me anything. Um, but yeah, Woods. Woods was probably one of my favorite to wrestle. The WWE style is something I think that a lot of people, the smart like fans who watch casually, and then the smart fans will definitely know the difference. But like 
one of the stories I've ever heard that it involves Natalia is during the pandemic era, Natalia and Shayna Baszler went out and had a match. Mm-hmm. And to them, Shayna thought she killed it. And mm-hmm. imagine Shayna Baszler and Natalia going out and having a match that they put together. They yeah. hit the curtain and Vince is like, go back out and do it again. I hated it. Yeah. It's not our style of wrestling. And then they go back so, out and Natalia's like, just follow me. I got you. And they put together a match, which was fine. But it, you kind of have that restrictor plate on you. You know what I mean? So here's here's something that I didn't understand until much later. And um, you know how many times these guys wrestle a week? Right? So we're going for longevity here. You're also a very important part of the company, of the industry. If you go and you kill yourself, you indie it up every night for five days a week, you're, you're not going to last long. And that's mm-hmm. why I don't think people realize that we're wrestling five days a week. Uh, and, and then we don't have off season, right? Wrestlers don't have off season. If you don't work, you don't get paid. Well, you still get your salary, but uh, you get taken off TV. Uh, so you want to go for longevity here. I want to still be able to get up and then go and do whatever I have to do the next morning. I don't want to have to go and wrestle and then destroy myself for five days straight and then barely be able to move by the second week. Right, so a lot of these guys on uh, on the independents don't realize there is a different show, and I get it. You want to show off, do your thing. I totally get that. Um, but the WWE style is also a lot more. It's first of all, it's TV. Uh, it's drama induced. Um, we work for moments. We don't work for spots. We work for moments because ultimately that's what people are. More people are going to remember. Right, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. When. Do you remember the entire match of Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania? Nope. What do you remember? I, I'm sorry. I love you. Right. <laughs> all I remember. Yep. Right. Uh, do you remember the match between uh, Brock Lesnar and Undertaker at WrestleMania 30? Uh, I know. I remember certain spots, but the, the 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 ending is what you talk about. Right. The crowd reaction. Yeah. Right. So we work for moments. Hmm. Um, and sure, I mean the 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 moves help uh, this whole process. The the moves help because that's how we t- that's that that's our color uh, when we're painting the canvas, all right? Uh, those are the colors, the the, the, the brush strokes, all that. Um, but we we work for moments, and ultimately that's what people are going to remember. Yeah. Uh, now th- those moments can come in sort of moves in the form of moves. Sure, obviously you're Jeff Hardy, right? You got the Swanton. Um, you're snooker off the cage. Okay. You're gonna have right. the yeah. But, right. You're shame. Yeah. But if if they had done a thousand things and then just like randomly just gotten up and then done it, it wouldn't have gotten the same reaction uh, as of instead of like a buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's literally watching the AEW product versus the WWE product. They're both amazing, but they're clearly right. two different products. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And to reach uh, their own, right? I think Triple yeah. H said it best. I think Triple H said it best when uh, he goes, uh, "It's all ice cream. It's different flavors, but it's all ice cream." Anthony Green said, wrestling is the Muppet show. Everyone has their place. You could be funny. You could be comical. You can do old school. You can do new school. It's yep. all the Muppet show. <laughs> um, another question here. What is another? What is the most enjoyable experience you had in pro wrestling as a whole? Which There's one that many, stands out for you? There's too many. I mean, my, my first time in front of the crowd at SmackDown in Bakersfield, California. Um, my first WrestleMania at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Um my last WrestleMania where I was doing commentary, the Spanish commentary at WrestleMania 30, when I, I was there when Daniel Bryan beat Batista and Randy. Or was it? Yeah, yeah. I was there when Taker lost to Brock Lesnar. I was there for that moment. I was doing commentary for that moment. Um, that's sick. As a commentary guy, that's so sick. <laughs> being, being in what I still think is Bret, Bret Hart's last match, last t- TV match, it was myself and Alberto in Calgary, Ontario. Uh, yeah, uh, I think Calgary. It was myself and Alberto versus John Cena and and Bret Hart. Um, and I still think that's his last TD match. Um, wrestling in Madison Square Garden, uh, multiple times. Um, I still have not been there. Yeah, in, uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, at TLC, I got thrown off a ladder by CM Punk and The Miz. Um, I ran over. We killed Santa. <laughs> we killed Santa. Uh, uh, in, in wrestling, yeah, I had so many moments. Uh, it's hard to pick one. And then ultimately, at the same at the same time, though, was 
that experience of being in front of the audience and then learning so much and then sitting under the learning tree of not just Triple H, Vince McMahon, Vince McLeavitt, being getting invited into the office and then just chit-chatting and shooting the shit with Vince, uh, getting on the jet with Vince because we have something in the next morning. Um, yeah, it's like uh, there's so many, so many awesome experiences, and then there's a I lot of such it bad where, imposter syndrome. My imposter syndrome would be so bad. Like, what am I doing? They're gonna figure yeah, it out yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, getting pulled into the office and again yelled at for some stupid idea in Europe. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of moments. There's too many moments, but for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, if you can go and work anyone, and this is another one from Raz, uh, anyone in pro wrestling history that you haven't worked, that's like a bucket list. Alive or, we'll say alive or no longer with us. Who would it be? Well, Eddie. Eddie would have yeah. been. Yeah, Eddie Guerrero would have been it. Eddie and Owen, I think, are everyone's like, Yeah. they would love to mix it up with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Eddie, absolutely. Uh, I well listen, I have I have one last question personally from you that I want to ask more on the independent scene. Um, just from what you've been doing with the Thurry Legacies or student wise or just talent you've brought into your company, who are some people that you have brought into your company that people should be aware of or be looking out for that you think have that it factor right now? There's a lot of guys that I do feel that have a ton of potential and they just need a platform to be able to perform and to be seen. Uh, I know I may not have the largest of platforms, but I do know that I have a platform. I do know that I still have some, I mean, my, my, my Twitter X, my Twitter, uh, my Instagram, my Facebook, I can still push the people that I, I'm able to. And it may not be at the, the, the amazing major scale of like a million followers, but still it's plentiful. Uh, and obviously I have these people on my roster for a reason because I do believe in them and I do believe that they're capable and they have a lot of potential. Um, so just, I mean, to name a few, obviously the my my first ever champion, uh, Bro Keller. Um, Love Bro. Love yeah, Bro. Awesome, awesome. Tarzan Duran, Smiley. Uh, these are all guys that, are, I mean, they just, they were my picks for, to be showcased at the premiere showcase on, on Saturday. Uh and they killed it. They did an amazing job. Um, obviously, I, I have my students. I have one who's six foot eight, Clayton Adams, uh, 24 years old, jacked as shit. Um, and he's phenomenal. Uh, and he's he's still young and he has a lot of potential behind him. Uh, um, Zoe Cannon is another one that I feel has a lot of potential. I have people from the outside that still come in, uh, you know, Journey Burke. Uh, uh, Harleen Lopez and Prince Baran. Journey and Harleen are going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. They're so oh, young yeah. in their career and doing things they shouldn't be doing at this point in time. They're so talented. We just need more more time and more exposure, and they'll get yeah. there. Uh, and then, but I, this is also what I tell a lot of folks: is don't rush it. Mm -hmm. uh, be patient. Um, you have you have one guy that you use in your roster that is not only a dear friend to me. And uh, such a great human being in this business, and his head's in such a good spot. Uh, but he's someone that you can have do ring announcing, commentary, uh, anything. He literally is a utility player, but he he's such a character too. I am such Hawthorne. a JS Hawthorne fan. Yes, Hawthorne. I did, yep, Hawthorne. Oh, oh yeah. I I wish I would have been able to see his moment uh, at the at the the, the rumble. Um, you know but, what, I, uh, what I admired about him for because he came to our shows months ago to help out. Just to help out. So he was mm -hmm. there uh, lugging those posts uh, and then that wood. And um, he kept showing up. So this is also a lesson for folks out there. He kept showing up. And uh, he came to our training one day. And then I, I needed somebody for the dark match. He was there. And then, um, yeah. And then it just went from there. And then just kind of gained that vibe from him. Um, this is where my hippie side comes in. Because I'm a big uh, fan of energy and vibes. That's, that's my hippie side of me. Yeah, um, and I got a good, I got a good energy from him, and I mean, I'm thankful for him, and yeah, so like I, I was happy that he won the rumble, and there's gonna be a lot of potential going into that with him versus Bro Keller. I can't wait. That's a matchup I can't wait to watch. Where can people watch if they're not local or they're not from the area? Where can they watch Three Legacies Wrestling? So they can always check us out on uh, Premier Streaming Network. Uh, that's owned by Fred Prince Jr. Um, that one. And then you can also follow us on Facebook at Three Legacies Wrestling. You can follow us uh, as well on Instagram at, at 3L Wrestling uh, or on a YouTube. Just type in Three Legacies Wrestling and then they can just go from there. But all of it is centralized 
on either our uh, website, Three Likes is Wrestling, or our Facebook, Three Likes is Wrestling. Uh, if you're not in the area. Awesome. And then we have our, our sponsored question from Logos by Hunter. He helps me out so much with awesome logos for our podcast for good merchandise. So you can always check it out in the links below. Uh, his question is, if you could write a, a letter to a younger Ricardo Rodriguez, what would that letter say? Oh, man. Take your time. Breathe. Take your time and breathe. Um, yeah. Take your time for breathe. And then if you ever need help, ask for it. Yeah. I love that, man. That makes sense for, but for a lot of folks that struggle with mental health, um, ask for help. Yep. You, you, you are, uh, you're doing amazing things. I really want you to know that. I know I've told you that before. And that's not just because you're on the podcast. I would have told you that in person if I wouldn't, you know, um, I'm going through a lot now, but I do plan on being involved more on the scene and going to shows again, but, uh, very proud of what you're doing. Um, I think the biggest thing for you, man, is just right place, right time. If people are listening to this episode back of what you could do in, in any industry you're in and just second chances are important. You know what I mean? And I, I, th I think your second chance here is not only good for you as a human being, but it's good for the people that are around you and you're helping you're, you're growing people. I'm telling you, man, you're not just growing. You're, you're growing people from the production team of the music guy. Uh, you're, you're the commentary team, your ring announcers, your, 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 people that are there to do and make content, your professional wrestlers, your referees, everyone's being elevated because of what you bring to the table and, and what you've learned in your first run at this and your second chance of where you might've been at your lowest, but you're coming back on your second rebound and you're, you're, you're doing good things, man. And I really appreciate you. And I'm glad you're in the Northeast PA scene. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. Well, listen, everyone, check out the links below for all things Ricardo as well as Three Legacy Wrestlings. Please support them. Subscribe to the Legacy, uh, the Premier Network. Freddie Prince is a good dude, man. He killed it in Scooby Doo. Let's let, you know. <laughs> go buy, go buy our shirts over at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. Yes, buy T-shirts, buy merchandise, support, uh, support people in their art. Uh, Ricardo, thank you so much for doing this again. It means the world. I, I hope you had a good time here on the ABJ podcast. This door is always open if you have anything you would ever want to put over. Any talent, any anyone on your roster or any students that want to come through i love hearing people's stories and giving them a platform to talk um we'll see you guys next time on the episode on episode 87 for, for now we'll see you guys soon here's some music by the converse kid billy trey we're out of here